Hello, my name is Michael McLennan and welcome to COVID Matters. This episode is a recording of a live Q&A hosted in the COVID-A support community. We spoke to Duncan Boak, the founder and CEO of Fifth Sense. They provide direct support, advice and signposting for potential diagnosis and treatment to people affected by smell and taste disorder. Smell and taste changes have been a prominent symptom of the COVID-19 pandemic and Fifth Sense have actually produced a dedicated long COVID hub for such issues. I hope you enjoy our chat and I'll be back afterwards with more information. To begin, it'd be great to hear a bit more about yourself and how you came to found Fifth Sense. Thanks, Michael. And thanks, thanks very much for the invitation to, uh, to speak. Um, so, yeah, I'm, um, I, I established Fifth Sense in 2012 um, based on my own experience of losing my sense of smell um, as a result of a head injury, which happened in 2005 when I was 22 years old. And um, I wanted a night out with friends and um, trips and fell down a flight of stairs landed on the back of my head, um, I woke up in hospital. Um, I, was, I was in hospital for a week and I came out and um, went back to my parents to recuperate. And um, it was eating the first meal I've had since the accident. And I thought, I was thinking, this doesn't taste of anything. And that's when I realised that I'd, uh, I couldn't smell. Um, and my, you know, my initial reaction to that was, this is really strange because I'd, I'd never heard of this happen before. I didn't know, you'd, I didn't know you could lose your sense of smell. Um, and it was something that, well, I was, I'd never paid much attention to, to anyway. Um, and in the context of what could have happened, I mean, first of all, I was thinking I'm lucky to be alive. Um, and, um, the, you know, losing my sense of smell was just this sort of a, a, a strange thing, really. I went to see my, um, my GP, um, and, uh, you know, so I've had this really bad accident. I've been really lucky, um, but I can't smell anything. What can you what what can you tell me and what can you do? Um, my daughter said, "I've heard of this happening before, but it's um, it's very rare. Um, we really don't know very much about the sense of smell. There's nothing we can do. Um, if it it might come back of its own accord, um, give it give it a year. If it doesn't, you just have to live with it." And and that was the extent of the advice that I got from my doctor for losing uh, one of the one of the five ways in which we connect with the world around us and. Um, it was, you know, but there was nothing. There was no information resource. There was no support. And back then, I didn't have ready access to the internet either. Um, and um, I, I waited to see if anything had changed, and 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 it didn't. And um, after about a year, I sort of thought, well, I need to get on with 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 this really. And um, my I sort of boxed it off and uh, didn't really engage. Um, properly with 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 my loss um and then spent the next six years thinking i was one of the only people in the world with 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 this and um, with with something that you know no one knew anything about and no one understood and it was in 2011 when a book came out and by this american girl who'd had a, a similar experience and i read this and it was this sort of real eureka moment and through this i was introduced to a consultant surgeon in the uk uh, Carl Philpot, who'd set up the UK's first NHS smell and taste disorder clinic. Carl and I started talking, um, and I realised by this point, I've realised there was a huge, huge need. Um, and I thought there, would be, you know, there was no organisation, no charity in this in this area. Um, so I said, well, let's let's do it um, and use my experience, turn that into a positive, and create something to to benefit and support other people. 
And together, Carl and I established Fifth Sense to transform the way that smell and taste impairment is understood, uh, treated and researched. How has the charity helped people so far? So we provide um, direct support and information to people um, and signposts to potential diagnosis and treatment where such exists. We work with a number of uh, relatively small number of clinicians in the UK that have expertise in, in, this, in, this, in this area and run, run cl- specialist clinics. Um, we bring people together to provide support, run events. Um, during COVID, that's been difficult, but we've um, had a very successful uh, set up a very successful series of virtual events called Let's Talk Smell and Taste um, that basically bring people together and provide support that way. And they're facilitated by one of our volunteers who facilitated a lot of our face-to-face events and conferences. So we've sort of translated a, a successful support model quite successfully to online. Um, we do a lot of work around education. So we provide education and training sessions for healthcare professionals, for example, um, public audiences, other relevant organisations. So, for example, I've recently been working with the Food Standards Agency and waste charity RAP to help them better understand the impact of smart test impairments. And so, um, so they can advise companies who are um, removing uh, best before end dates off food and sometimes advising people how to use their senses to do that. So um, that's that's one side of things. And then we also have a role in um, in, in research. So supporting and um, catalyzing um, patient-driven research and small test disorders. And we involve and uh, engage our, uh, the people we represent in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the fascinating things for me was actually through COVID aid, I then realized that one of my close friends has been affected by having a, a smell disorder, but I hadn't spoken to any of his friends about it because it was just one of those things that hadn't come up in conversation. I was wondering what sort of smell and taste or disorders are there? Um, so the first, uh, the first, the first one is um, anosmia. So that's the term for the, um, the the loss or lack of the sense of smell. Um, so um, it can be a, most people it's acquired. Um, through through some means, that's in my case, head injury. Um, but then some people, small number, are born without a sense of smell. Um, there's also um, a term called hyposmia, which is a reduced sense of smell. Um, and then there's something called um, parosmia, which is used to describe a distorted sense of smell. And that's quite common with um, a smell loss that occurs as a result of a virus. And um, a lot of people have been experiencing and are continuing to experience and real, really struggle with parosmia um, following COVID-19 infection. Then there's also something called phantosmia, which as the name suggests, is um, phantom smells. So people who are smelling something that uh, they recognize, but, but isn't, actually, isn't actually there. And then disorders of the sense of taste are actually quite rare. So we have agusia, which is the um, uh, absence of the sense of taste or loss of sense of taste. Um, and then there's also um, dysgusia, which is um, distorted, distorted tastes, um, which can occur in um, people undergoing um, cancer treatment, for example. Um, as I say, taste disorders are actually really quite rare. But part of the reason we say, you know, we represent people with smell and taste disorders. Okay, so that, that, that smaller group, but also many people who um, experience a problem with the sense of smell, um, their perception is, can be, that they've lost a sense of taste because 
the sense of smell plays such a huge role in the um, uh, the, 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 the flavor perception. And in, in that sort of note, what are the ways in which these disorders can affect people? Um, so smell and taste disorders can have a really, really big impact on people's physical and mental health um, and well-being, and also also safety as well. And if we have a think about the different ways in which smell and taste contribute to our lives, and something I think it's fair to say that most people don't necessarily think about, um, but you know, smell is responsible for so much um, pleasure. Okay, so smell and taste work together to produce the flavor of food, as I've said. Um, smell connects us to um, places. It helps us form uh, memories of places that we visit and can be triggered, you know, memories can then be triggered through smelling things. Um, then there's the emotional connection to, to people as well. If you think about how important the sense of smell is to um, connection to, to partners, children, you know, smell of, 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 of babies and how, how important it is as a bonding thing. Um, and also from a danger perspective, our sense of smell provides this really key, important early warning system for dangers such as smoke, um, such as gas, and, uh, and spoiled food as well. So taking all that and then sort of flipping it around, um, the impact of smell and taste impairments can be, you know, very significant and very varied. Um, it can cause, you know, loss of pleasure and depression and anxiety. Um, impact on diet and hence nutrition as well, because people um, maybe, maybe can stop eating certain things. Parosmia, the distorted smells, can be really, really sort of impactful on people's, uh, people's diet because people have to stop eating certain things. Um, and then it, it affects, can affect people's relationships, so people feeling disconnected from um, the world around them and from other people. And then people also can be can be worried about um, danger as well. So we're a, a quite a, a quite a wide range of issues. And in terms of the connection to COVID nineteen, when did the charity first notice that people who had COVID nineteen were also experiencing changes to their senses? It was in uh, March twenty twenty that we first started seeing reports of this. Um, and uh, we, um, we put some information on our website, um, sort of a mid, mid, mid to late March. And um, there was this absolutely extraordinary um, sort of spike in uh, visits to our website. I think in the first day that we put the information up, we had the best part of 100,000 visitors to the site um, in, in, in 24 hours and um, lots of people contacting us. And um, it's sort of it's 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 gone on from there really. So it's been a busy busy time for the charity. Mm -hmm. And have you noticed that out of those disorders that we've spoken about, are there any that are particularly uh, affecting people more with long COVID? Um, yeah. So there are lots of people still experiencing ongoing um, smell dysfunction. I think particularly. Um, so still experiencing smell loss. Um, Maybe people might have recovered the sense of smell to to an extent, um, but people still experiencing smell impairments and also um, ongoing uh, parosmia as well. These distortions, um, which can take time time to um, sort of dissipate. Mm -hmm. 
And then in terms of the types of advice that are typically provided for sense disorders, are those different from what you're recommended for people with long COVID or is it the same sort of recommendations? It's the, 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 the advice we give and the information we provide and, and the support we provide can often be um, very sort of individual um, because um, you think about the, the whole sort of range of things that and impacts that I talked about. Um, and also the fact that our sense of smell is, um, is very subjective anyway. So people will, um, people can sort of come to us with questions or concerns about, about different things. And so it's about how we respond individually to people's own circumstances. But what I would say is that with um, the, 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 the advice and information can differ depending on what, what caused the loss of smell. So, for example, with, you know, for example, my case, um, head injury, um, it's very difficult to, um, to, to, to treat. Treatment options are very, very limited um, and recovery is um, it's a bit of a bit of a suck it and see really unfortunately it dep- depends on how how much damage was caused by the by the by the accident um, whereas with um, people who experience post viral and um, smell loss there is more chance of um, natural recovery than with any other causation so there's a lot of different things to take into account and the causation will you know d- d- help determine that Thank you. Uh, we're about to ask some questions from the community. Um, but yeah, the first question that we have, experiencing changes in smell, uh, sometimes not being able to smell and other times being able to smell only certain things seems to crop up now and then. Uh, can you explain why this happens? And is this common in long COVID? Do we know if Ralph um, lost his sense of smell through COVID? Uh, I believe so, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's it, it's sort of, it is difficult. Um, but um, going back to what I said before, viral olfactory loss um, can result in an initial loss of smell. Okay, um, but then people can start to um, experience recovery, and that recovery can can take time. You know, for some people, it can quite quickly, within a few weeks. Um, it might be six months for others, twelve months. Uh, you know, a longer two to three years, um, and, and be a gradual process. So, um, if there is uh, at times, you know, so, someone able to smell certain things, um, that that's potentially this, you know, recovery taking place, and hopefully it will that will that will continue to to improve over time. Um, it's why that happens. Um, you know, we don't we we're not able to sort of see the. The, the sort of details of the receptors, uh, which receptors um, recovering or the, the olfactory system recovering, um, but it can it can vary and be different for different people. The next question is from Sally, and I've heard uh, other people uh, speak about the same thing. Uh, why are so many of us with post-COVID phantosmia uh, smell cigarette smoke? I find it fascinating that this is so common. So yeah, good question. Um, and it's it's whether that this is um, Sally has been experiencing it um, if it's the sort of parosmia, the distorted smells, or if it's um, phantosmia, 
whereby it's a really sort of specific smell. Phantom. It just comes Phantom. from nowhere. It just comes from nowhere. And, yeah. Okay, thank you, Sally. And yeah, it's um, I've heard of other people um, with yeah. this who also reported cigarettes. Yeah. Don't, don't really know why. Yeah. But then at the same time, I've also met lots of other people over the years who reported completely different things. So we had our um, uh, one of our Perosmia network um, virtual sessions um, yesterday evening, and uh, someone was on that was was talking about how they um, smell um, vanilla. Um, oh, that would be nice. Yeah, I'll well, take that. yeah. And I've got decomp at the moment, so I'll take vanilla anytime. Is and I think this is one of the really really challenging things mm-hmm. with parosmia and phantosmia is that often it's just so unpleasant. Yeah, that's and it. Being, yeah. You know, you people are being assailed by these by these foul <clears throat> smells, mm-hmm. but then you can't you know you can't really escape from. Leading on from that, it's uh, another uh, related issue. Uh, Sue asks uh, or, or says, "I have experience in distorted smell." and often taste as a result of long COVID. And I believe that as a result, it's caused me to lose weight. Is this something that can happen? And if so, is there anything that can help in this respect? Yeah, sadly, sadly, yes. And that's something that was we've talked about again a lot on our, our, our call last night about the impact that um, not, not being able to eat properly because of the distorted smells can then have on, on diet and nutrition. Um, so, you know, imagine, imagine being in a situation where... Um, I don't know, maybe 70% of what you'd normally eat smells and, and tastes foul. So you're, you're, you're having to, people are having to sort of search out for things that don't, you know, give trigger the, the distortions. Um, someone last night said that one of the things that works for them is, um, is, is cheese, the reason a lot of cheese. Okay, now let's face it, if you're eating cheese all the time and very little else, it's going to have an impact on your on 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 your weight and on your on on your nutrition, um, and and so so it's not good. In terms of um, what 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 can help, um, I think uh, basically just keep experimenting, keep trying things, okay, and find things that work. But hopefully, try and find a ver- you know varied things, a, a, a range of things that work. And I think keep a diary as well. Um, keeping a food diary can be really, really important and really useful because some of the distortions and the triggers can change over time. I always remember um, going back to the early days of the charity. I met um, at our first conference, a couple called uh, Robin, Robin Dana, and Robert lost his sense of smell because of the virus and was experiencing parosmia. And I remember him saying that for about three months, tomatoes were absolutely fine. And he was, you know, everything he ate was tomato based and um, he couldn't touch red peppers. Um, and then all of a sudden, okay, he couldn't eat tomatoes for uh, two or three months and red peppers were fine. And, and, and again, what he did was just keep experimenting, keep trying and, and, and log what was, what was working and what wasn't so we could keep, keep tabs on things. And then uh, we've got one final uh, previous question and I see Maggie has her hand raised and we've got a question for Peter as well. So just to end this section with uh, Glow, um, says, I wonder if hyposmia, anosmia, or agusia, I'm probably pronouncing that slightly wrongly, sorry, uh, has been researched and related to brain inflammation or sinus infections. Has there been any medical research or conducted studies on these? Yeah, there is, um, there is plenty of uh, research, research out there. Um, I mean, damage to the brain um, can certainly cause um, loss of smell. The, um, 
the receptor cells are situated at the very top of the nasal cavity and um, are then uh, connected to, you've got these structures in the front of the brain called the olfactory bulbs, which process the information they receive from the receptor cells and um, then send that information up into the other, other parts of the brain. Um, and there's a lot of points along that, that pathway, the olfactory cortex, that can be damaged, um, whether by you know, a, 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 a blow to the head like I suffered, but also um, people who may have tumours and have operations, which can then damage the, uh, the olfactory bulbs, for example. Um, in terms of sinus problems, well, yeah, that's one of the biggest causes of um, smell impairment. And um, so in sinus infections, um, inflammation of the sinuses, what you've got there is a situation where the nasal passages are basically being blocked because of, because of inflammation, whether it's swollen tissue or sometimes polyps, okay? So then you, the, the smell molecules aren't actually able to get up to the receptor cells. That's one of the more potentially most treatable causes, um, but it's about patients being able to get access to a good um, ENT um, who's got experience and, and, and expertise in treating um, cyanonasal disease. Um, and in terms of research, actually, there's a big project going on um, in the UK that we're, that Fifth Sense is involved in, called the Macro Project, which is about establishing the sort of best way of treating and managing patients with chronic rhinosinusitis. And um, I'll send a, that's, that study is actually looking for participants at the moment. So I'll, uh, I'll send a link over to that to include um, after, the, after the event. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Maggie, I see you've got your hand raised. Would you like to ask a question? Hello. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I, I had COVID last November and lost it everything completely taste and smell it kind of came back and now it, it it's it, I, I was googling and there seems to be some common things that taste a bit weird like red peppers a bit weird diet coke tastes a bit gross and chemically i think it's i don't know that's not the bad thing i suppose um and i i had the smell of burnt food in my nose like frying food for a while that went away and then in april i had a really bad cold and then i lost my smell again and then it came back a bit worse than it had recovered to. And the reason I kind of found you is because this week, all I can smell is diesel fuel. I can smell like diesel fumes all the time. And it's it's quite gross. It's making me feel a bit sick. Um, so I, I just wondered, I was looking at your website and um, I see that you, I, I have an appointment with the GP this week for another another issue. And I was wondering about asking them for a referral um, just to see if there's anything that can be done, but I don't know if there is anything that can be done. Um, so I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it, I'm, I don't know what they can do. <laughs> is it worth it? Basically. I, I hear you Maggie. And it's a, it's a difficult one to answer because obviously I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, as you, as you know, I'm not a clinician and, and, and not my place to sort of give individual medical advice, but, um, my 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 take would be to you know yes if you can um, get a referral and you know to one of the specialists listed on our on our website then then do so um, there are um, so I mean you know obviously it sounds like you're experiencing you know parosmia following the viral infection and you you talk about the sort of burning smells the chemical smells they're you know they're sadly um, very, that that's very common. Um, but I would I would say that yes, do do seek a referral, and um, 
I know, for example, Prof, Prof Philpott um, in his, his clinic, there are drugs that he will um, prescribe to people. They don't, they don't necessarily work with, with everyone. And, and, and this is one of the challenges, you know, that there is no um, set, um, fixed, obvious treatments for post-viral olfactory dysfunction that we know will work for everyone. More research is needed, more treatment. But um, I would, I'd still encourage you to, um, to seek, seek a referral. And um, I'll pop my email address in the chat. And if you've got any further questions beyond, um, you know, after today, then, you know, more than happy to, to, to answer them. Thank you. Is it, um, just in terms of the referral, um, is that I saw on your website, there's several institutions listed. Um, the nearest one to me, I'm in London, so it would be Guy's, I think. I think it's Guy's or is it St. Thomas, something in central London. Um, there's, there's Guy's and then there's also, um, there's the one at, uh, there's one at Charing Cross as well. Um, as I say, I think probably the best thing is if um, if you ping me an email, mm. I can come back to you on that one. Okay, yeah, I just wonder which one is is better, and if other people have had results from. from I think one of them you said it, it says that quite a few people had sought treatment there. That was a bit further out of London for me. That was in South London, I think. But yeah, just which whichever one might be able to help more. <laughs> I feel, I kind of feel like the doctor will probably like just kind of wave me away but i i, I don't know i can try I, I i mean this is one of the this is one of the challenges um that we that we we're up against really in terms of the, the sort of lack of um lack of recognition for this being a problem okay amongst um healthcare professionals um you know it's not true across the board you know we've, we've, we've got relationships fantastic clinicians who are doing the best to, to, to help and treat patients but there's a there's a massive lack of understanding um, around this, and um, we need that to change. And we're going to be over the next three years. We're going to be fifth sense is going to be upscaling our uh, the education and training activity that we do for healthcare professionals because we've got to get doctors um, to recognise that this is a problem, and so that when you know people like yourself go and ask for a referral to your GP, there's no sort of oh well, it's only a sense of smell, da 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 which I've heard so many times over the years, um, that you're given a referral to a specialist clinic. That's what should be happening. Okay, and, thank you. And I, I think my, my advice to you would be you, you go in there and, and, and talk to your GP about the, uh, the impact that this is having on your life. Um, right before this call, I, myself and a Fifth Sense member who's really struggling with parosmia, we've just had a call with his um, uh, MP um, and um, he, he was explaining you know, very, very clearly um, the, 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 the many ways in which the parosma is impacted on his life, his mental health, um, his, his nutrition. And um, it was, it, yeah, the, the response was very sort of warm and supportive. So I think it's about being very clear about the impact. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. We have another question from Peter through the chat. And uh, Peter asks, are smell disorders and the relationship to long COVID more associated with the early phase of the pan pandemic or epidemic and, and unvaccinated people? Uh, has a percentage of smell disorder uh, victims reduced with time? That's a really good question, um, Peter. And what I'd say is, and this is borne out by the data I've seen from the uh, ONS, um, that um, the smell uh, 
problems have been more associated with the early um, variants of COVID and um, is less, seems to be less of an issue. Um, I'm not going to say it's completely, you know, not an issue at all, but less of an issue with, with, with Omicron. I mean, I know, um, oh gosh, quite a, f- a few friends and um, professional contacts have had COVID recently. And um, I can think of one former colleague who um, lost it and got in touch with me on, on, on Facebook. And four or five weeks later, it's suddenly just come back. Almost like like switching on a light, she said. She was at the gone to the seaside and um, all of a sudden smelling the sea air. Um, so yeah, it does seem to be that the um, the more severe and ongoing issues are part of the early 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 phase. And I was just going to ask. I think I think you mentioned um, safety earlier, and I was wondering about the sorts of issues in which issues of safety can, uh, well, sorry, the issues in which safety can arise and, and what measures can be taken? Yeah, thanks, Michael. Good question. Um, and th- I think this is a really important thing um, that also isn't necessarily immediately obvious to people um, who, who lose a sense of smell. And um, if we think about some of the, the dangers that we often rely on our sense of smell for, there's you know gas, there's smoke, and um, you know food that's gone off. You know pick pick the packet up, give it a give give it a give it a whiff, and um, it's often that's how we tell if something's um, gone gone bad or not. Um, with gas, um, the natural gas actually has no smell. Um, what what happens is there's a substance called macatum that is pumped into natural gas to give it a smell. Okay, which is fine if you can smell it. Um, and then, of course, there's from a smoke perspective. Um, I mean, one of the things is around um, smoke alarms. Okay, so they're mo- most you know, a lot of people have a smoke alarm, but in terms of natural gas alarm, they're much um, you know less less ubiquitous, frankly. And um, <clears throat> there is currently, to my knowledge, um, there's no low cost battery powered natural gas detector available on the market in the UK. Um, this is an area that Fifth Sense is um, starting to do a lot of work in. We uh, partner with uh, a company called Cadence, who are the UK's biggest uh, gas distribution network. So Cadence are responsible for the physical supply of gas to people's homes in certain parts of the country. And um, they also run the, uh, the National Gas Emergency Helpline. So if you see signs around and anything saying smell gas, question mark, call this number, you get through to Cadence. And um, we're working with them in, well, a number of different ways. And um, one of the things that we're working on with them is about bringing a um, a natural gas, a low-cost natural gas detector to market. So so watch this space. And I think this is a really, it's a really important area. I'll I'll share an an example with you of um, a friend of mine who... um, manages a, a workspace in London and um, who lost her sense of smell because of COVID and said to me, you know, Duncan, it, has, it isn't really bothering me that much, you know, but I know that the emotional challenges that are said, it doesn't really, that doesn't really affect me. Um, but, uh, but then it, it was just before Christmas last year, I got a text from her saying, Duncan, just remind me the name of your charity. And I replied back and said, why? And she went, can you give me a call? I rang her up and um, 
she was telling me how she was working at home one day um, and she had something cooking on the kitchen in the kitchen a couple of floors down, basically pan of water boiling away. And um, she kept going down to check on it. Then she got absorbed in her work and forgot. And um, then she heard one of her housemates coming. She was in the house on her own and um, walk upstairs and then started shouting, Kate, Kate, where are you? Where are you? And, and she shouted back down and said, come down quick. She went downstairs. What had happened? The pan had boiled over, extinguished the flame, okay, and gas had obviously kept coming out. And she said, the scary thing was, Duncan, if I'd have gone back downstairs and realised, I'd have just relit it. But it, it, it's, and she said, in the 18 months that I've, since I've lost my sense of smell, it hadn't occurred to me yeah. that I needed to stay, take precautions around things like gas. And I had a similar experience five years after um, losing my sense of smell when I came this close to lighting a, uh, a, a cigarette lighter in my kitchen, which was full of gas that I couldn't smell because we hadn't turned the cooker off properly. And um, there's, we did a survey on, on this recently um, amongst our members as part of the work with Cadence. And significant numbers of people, Fifth Sense members, you know, self-declared olfactory impairment, um, have experienced um, gas safety scares at home. And um, I think, you know, there's there's quite a significant public health issue here that no one's really thought about or tackled before until we came along. Can I just say thank you for that? Because I smelt damp in my kitchen for three days. My carer also has long COVID. She smelt chlorine in my kitchen for three days. It wasn't until my other carer came in and smelt gas, called the gas board. They came out and had a major gas leak for three wow. days. And like your friend, that was my first realisation, shit, this is dangerous. And I could not get a gas meter anywhere that wouldn't cost me hundreds of pounds, which I don't have. Sally, would you do me a favour, please, mm-hmm. and drop me an email? Yeah. It'd be, really, it'd be really good to have a chat with you about okay. this, actually, because it's, it's, these, it's these stories and these situations that we really, we really want to highlight as part of this work yeah. we're doing. And, um, you know, I think it's a, a big part of how we work at Fifth Sense is that, you know, we, we, we work with the people we represent and it's your stories and your experiences and challenges that often aren't being addressed apart yeah. from through the work that we're doing. Um, it's through working together we can change things. So please, yeah, please get in touch. We'll do, yeah, definitely. Cool, thank you. And yeah, th- thank you so much for your time, Doug. And it's been uh, really, I think, important to hear about what you and the charity have been doing and your plans for the future. I was wondering, uh, for people who want to find out more about these issues, what's the best way of doing so? Um, head over to our website, <clears throat> excuse me, head over to our website, uh, www.fifthsense.org.uk. Um, there's a huge amount of information, um, resources on there. Um, we're on social media as well. We're on Facebook, um, Twitter and uh, Instagram. Um, but best way to get in touch, if you, if you need help, support with anything, head over to the website, email addresses on there, drop us an email and um, anything we can do to help, um, we'll, be, we'll be back to you. Thanks so much to Duncan for his time. In the show notes and on our website, you can find a variety of links and signposting to support information and advice provided by Fifth Sense. You can also visit their website at www.fifthsense.org.uk. That is fifthsense.org.uk. And that includes their dedicated long COVID hub. And if you haven't heard of us, 
COVID-Aid is the UK's national charity dedicated to supporting all those significantly affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. We provide a range of supported services, advice and information, including hosting our COVID-Aid support community, where we host courses, events, expert Q&As, peer support groups and a whole lot more for those affected by issues such as long COVID and grief and bereavement. Please visit covidaidcharity.org, that is covidaidcharity.org, and join our community at community.covidaidcharity.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you soon.